my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC, and it is great to be with you guys today. And today is kind of a special day uh, for many different reasons. But before I get too far in, I want to just take a second to welcome you and welcome everybody that's watching online right now. Um, we want to invite you today to connect with us. And so for those of you here in person, you found a connection card on your seat. And we would love for you to take that and fill out as much information as you feel comfortable in sharing. If this is your first time here, welcome. It is great to have you with us. We actually have a free gift, a great book that we'd love to give you on your way out today. So you can hand that to our team as you leave today. And we'd love to give you that book. And so for everyone online, we'd love for you to check in. We'd be glad to mail that book to you as well. And so just you're invited to relax, make yourself at home, and connect today. And then today, uh, for those of you who don't know this, we're very excited, but uh, we're actually going to be moving our meeting locations. Next week, we are going to be moving a whole three blocks from here to Nimbus Arts Center. And so this is something that we're very excited about. And we, uh, it's our last Sunday here at this space here at 150 Bay, and we've just been really thankful for this space. Uh, we moved in here almost two years ago in the fall of 2019, and we were excited to, to take, make that step and to be here in this building then. And so just through our engagement in the community, we started filming from Nimbus Arts Center during the pandemic, and uh, we had had a relationship with them even before then, and uh, just through that engagement, we had our Easter service there and a couple other services after that. And so uh, <clears throat> that has just been a relationship that's developed. And we're excited to be able to meet regularly at their space every single Sunday starting next week. And so in September, uh, if you come here, we'll have a sign out. So if you forget, that's all good. Um, but three blocks from here, we're excited about partnering with someone in the community that our rent money on Sundays uh, we'll go towards somebody who's in the community, invested in that. Uh, they do a lot of work with uh, kids, engaging them in the arts throughout the city, working for kids that don't always get that opportunity, and we love that. And so um, that'll be next week. It's a phenomenal facility. And so we're thankful all at once today. We are thankful for the time that we've had here and for God's provision to be in this space. It's been a phenomenal space. And then we're also excited about what is to Come. And the goal of all of this, and every step that we take is to love well, as, as well it was behind me, <laughs> but this is a good screen to have behind me right now. But the goal in all this is to love well. We want to engage this city and love Jersey City and love you the best that we can with the resources that we have. And you are invited to be part of this story. It's one of the reasons why we've been showing the story of DCC this summer is to re be reminded of the story that he has been weaving for the past six years. We started in 2015 on Easter Sunday, and so here we are six years later. We are so grateful. Um, I'm grateful for the many of you who sacrifice and give financially that allow this to happen, that you serve with your time and your talents, and we are so blessed by the many who are part of this DCC family. So, uh, that's all happening next week. And so today, we want to engage in a conversation called Love Well. And what does it mean to do that? And how, how does your life, how do you live a life of significance? Or how does your life be incredibly meaningful? 
Uh, how do you actually experience that purpose? And it's, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to see the difficulties that, that are kind of happening all throughout the world, uh, much less your own life. Your own life has, has all kinds of things that you are pursuing, that you desire to experience, and that you are longing to see happen. And then you just look at the world around us. We see this uh, category four hurricane hitting uh, New Orleans right now, and we see all the, the trouble and the, the things that are happening in Afghanistan, and our hearts are broken, and we see that our country is struggling still, and then all that impacts down to your own life and your dreams and desires, the work that you are pursuing, uh, relationships that you want to be in, uh, all, all the different things that impact your life. Uh, how do we love well? Can that really happen? And so when we feel discouraged, it's hard to see the purpose, especially sometimes in pursuing God. But whatever that circumstance may be, it doesn't change God's pursuit of you, where you are, who you are right now in your life. And what I want to do today is just look at a story uh, in the Scripture for someone that we would associate of, of living a significant life. And even if you're someone who's, say, I, I've not really, I haven't really attended church that much or engaged God in all these ways, you would probably know this person. And I think by all accounts, even if, if uh, you were someone to say, I'm an atheist, you would probably still agree this person lived a significant life. And that's the person of Moses. Most people know who Moses is, whether it's a movie or whatever it may be. And the picture that we usually have of Moses is like, this big guy with the big gray flowing hair, like it's just like super long, and he's like, I don't know, he's, I don't know, whatever. He's got the staff in his hand, everything, right? And the wind is blowing as he sticks it out. Like that's the kind of the big, strong leader, Moses, that led the people of Israel uh, through the parting of the Red Sea and all these adventures. Well, I want to look at where that kind of journey began. It was actually well into Moses' life. And he's kind of like a three act play, and. Uh, he was adopted, so to speak, as a baby. His people, he was born into his people being oppressed and in slavery. But he was brought into Pharaoh's palace. Uh, but then in seeing his own people being, being, uh, being as slaves, being, you know, the brutal brutality that he saw happening to them, he ended up murdering a, a guard and had to flee. And for 40 years was in the desert and essentially, his whole life changed from that moment. And so it was in that time, after 40 years, that God began to pursue Moses. And uh, you may have heard of this event where God began to speak to him through a burning bush. And God chose to begin to engage his people. He began to answer their prayers. And he shows himself to Moses in, the, in the, essentially the visual of a fire, a consuming fire. But this bush wasn't burning up. It was just continuing to, to burn. And so Moses sees this, and this, this is found in Exodus 3. It says, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And here God begins, the God who created Moses, God who, the creator of our planet, who, who loves us, begins to engage, begins to, begins to engage Moses directly, and begins to speak to him through this. And so Moses goes, here I am. <laughs> it's like, okay. And then God replies and says, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
speaking very specifically to Moses, that he understood who he was. And so when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. If you've ever had an experience where you've just, you see God working visibly, you were usually in awe of that. And you have a fear, a healthy fear of God. And we see that all throughout scriptures. They just come down on their face. And this is about Moses' response. God begins to, to speak to him, and he begins to tell Moses that he's heard the cries of his people. And he essentially begins to engage this long conversation with Moses. And it had been hundreds of years since they've been in slavery. They've been praying and longing for the time when God would set them free. And God was beginning to answer this prayer. This is huge. This is beginning to happen right now with Moses. So he tells him all these things, and he says to Moses this. He says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. I mean, wow, what an incredible event. Like Moses is experiencing everything that you and I kind of secretly long or maybe outwardly long for this to happen. You're just like, God, if you... If you just show me that you're real, just do something. I know that you're real. Like, you, like I would love for God to speak to me and say, hey, this is where I want you to go. and This is what it's going to look like. Like we would long for that to happen. And so this is direct communication with God. God is doing this with Moses, telling him what to do. There's incredible purpose with this. So it's got to be pretty inspiring for him, right? He's going to want to do this. But what's interesting is he's saying, yeah, I want to, Free Israel, I've heard their prayers, I've heard their cries, I'm ready to engage them right now. And so Moses is probably like, okay, let's go free Israel, but, but, but God said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And that's kind of like a big thing. Pharaoh's the person that he was running from. This is the most powerful person in the world. And he kind of murdered one of his guards. It was probably of a justifiable type of act where he was brutalizing someone and hurting him, and they were involved in these acts, and he just couldn't take it anymore. But he's just a wounded man. He can't go back there. He'd left that life. It was gun. Send me to Pharaoh. So even with God engaging Moses audibly, clearly, Moses does what we all still do. We don't believe it. We're not sure. So it says here that Moses protested to God. And listen to these words. He says, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? He's like, not me. You got the wrong person. He goes, who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Even though God is so clearly visible in front of him, he doubts. He doubts himself. Did you ever do that? Like even when it's clear in your life, things are laid out for you, you have the, the job in front of you, the position that you've, you've wanted or the relationship or the financial, the financial change or the, the, the place you're moving to, the city, the environment. Like even then we're just like, I don't know. Like we doubt and we're, we're confused and we have all these emotions that come up in our hearts and we still struggle. There are things that are in us that we know that are there. And so God begins to engage him. 
doesn't walk away. He, he engages this. So God answers. He says, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And God begins to make promises to him. How amazing is that? He's like, you're going to come to this very mountain where you see right here, like you're going to worship there with your people. And that did happen. So is that good enough for Moses? No, no, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, well, what is his name? (laughs) What should I tell them? And so he's just... He's just a lot of questions, right? And he's just stalling. Like, he's like, what can I think of to keep this from happening? Like, I've got a good one. And he just, and so he, this begins this long conversation. We're not going to tell every detail of the story because it's a pretty long one over a couple chapters here. But, and God begins to give him details. He's like, all right, tell them that I am, I am. They will know. And God's like, here's what I'm going to do. And here's the plan in detail, which all of us were like, I, w- I would kind of love to know that. And so he's like, God does it with Moses. So he gives them all these details. So what does Moses do? This is a pattern here. He says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? You've been in the desert. You don't care about us. Why, you ran? Like, that's actually a decent thing. So God says, like, all right. So God gives him three miracles performed, and they practice it together. He's like, I'm going to give you miracles. There's going to be no doubt that this is who I am. And so he has him throw the staff to the ground, turns to the snake. He picks it back up. It's back to the staff. His, his hand shrivels up and comes back to him. There's a water and blood thing happening. These three distinct miracles. They practice it. He's like, you're going to do this in front of them. Moses has got no options at this point. It's really clear. It says here, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord. And here he gets to the heart of what's going on inside of him. He says, oh, Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not even right now, even though you have spoken to me. He's like, I get it. You're talking to me. This is incredible. He says, but I, he says I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. So here he is getting to the heart of this. He stutters. He's not confident with this, all these things. And so he's essentially saying, God, here is my worth. You've picked the wrong person. And I'm just thinking, I bet everything in him longed to be used to rescue Israel. That he longed and he knew that it ate at him, that he knew they were suffering. And there's nothing he could do about it. I, I, get, I bet you he imagined a thousand times these confrontational things with Pharaoh, where he imagined something where he went and took him down, like you and I daydream, right? Like that bad person in your life, you're like, I, was, I, would, I would step up, and if I was this person, I would do this. And then you imagine this whole thing, and you're the hero. And like, I guarantee you he confronted Pharaoh like a thousand times in his dreams, in his daydreams, watching animals out in the desert, which is what he did. He's like, no, 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 there's this thing that's my worth. You've got the wrong person. So God responds. Says, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? So 
which I'd be like, that's a pretty good point. He did make my mouth hearing. You vented that. That's a pretty good one. I could understand that you would be with me and help me with those things. And God continues here, and he says, and the music begins to, this is where the Moses moment is coming, right? The music begins to build. And so God says, now go. I will be with you as you speak. I will instruct you in what to say. And so maybe this future, like Moses, is coming out, right? Like a hair is you know, pooping out, like getting grayer, and like his arms are buffing up. Like, now go. You know, the music, music is ramping up behind everything. And like the flashes of the Ten Commandments in the future, all that's coming. And he says, now go. Moses is ready. He's inspired. All the excuses. Here's what happens. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. The conductor on the side is like, you've got to stop. And the cymbals are crashing. The music dies down. That's not the Moses that we remember. After all that, he's like, no way, I can't do it. How does this happen? We think that if God was just so clear, we would have all, we would know what to do, but our hearts betray us. Moses does what we all struggle with. He believed a lie about himself. He believed a lie about himself. And he was just showing these things. I can't lead these people. Are you kidding me? Because I, my words, I can't, like, I'm the wrong person. And, and a lie for you and I, a lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. And there are things that you do, that you struggle with, that you hide with. And those things define many times our worth. And what we see happening in Moses' heart is the lie is that your worth is based on, your worth is based on what people say about you and your past experiences. Moses is repeating things that I'm sure people have said about him. You can't do this, right? And then he knows his past. It's a huge past with Pharaoh specifically. He used to live in Pharaoh's palace. And God was showing him and us that our worth is defined by who God is. But he longs for us to find our worth, our value, our identity in him. And the struggle with you and I, the struggle with us is, is that the solution, we are the solution for our everything that we're pursuing in the world. It's about you accomplishing whatever this thing may be. And you might be really good at whatever it is. And you've got to hustle at your job. You've got to prove your worth. You've got to consume it all. You've got to get everything now while you have the chance to do it. And you, you just got to have everything. You got to have the family, the career, the status, or the place, or the city, the friends, the relationship, whatever it may be. And, and everything around us pushes us. You got to consume and do it all. Consume it to the very edge of everything. And none of those things are bad at, within themselves at all. 
But then it all depends upon you, and there's a pressure about accomplishing whatever that is, and the pressure of you is ultimately too much. At some point, there's the broken part of you that's there, and you see that happen, and you just have no idea how to get past it. It's the part of you that, that you hide, and at some point, that comes out. It's there, and we can't get past, of you, past it. And the pressure of our worth, our worth begins to be defined by all those things that you are pursuing. But you know deep down inside that there's something that can't be accomplished. Or you, you accomplish all these things, but it's not even enough. And there's an anxiety and a pressure that comes from our worth being tied to these things. And it's more than you and I can bear. We can't actually do it. And we see this revealed in Moses' heart. Moses couldn't go. He couldn't take this step. That worth was tied and pulled down by anxiety, by fear, guilt. And so even faced with God speaking to him, saying, I'm with you. Here's everything in detail. He just performed miracles with them. I mean, come on, like, this is how heavy the burden is in our hearts and what God has come to set us free from and, and lead us towards in freedom. And so what happens for you and I is we, we do two things. We, we either, when we respond to these lies, we either live life as if there is no God. We're just pursuing everything. Even You could be a, say, I'm a Christ follower. I believe in him. But you live your life as if he doesn't actually exist because you're just trying to pursue everything. And the lie we believe of ourselves is greater than our trust in God. And we just kind of go after everything in our life. And you live everything to the last inch. You consume every part of your calendar. There's hardly any room for rest. You're consuming more and more money. You're hoarding it, whatever it may be, or you're, you've got to have relationships. Whatever. I don't know what. That, we all have our own circumstances. Our status through our job and position to success. For me, an idol could be the success of our church and it growing and whatever it may be. It depends upon you. And we don't have the ability to stop to let others have some of the job <laughs> or to rest. We don't trust that God is in control, that we do have a hope and a future in him, no matter what. His death and resurrection show us that, that, that even death doesn't defeat us, that we have hope and security in him, but we don't actually live life like that. Or the other thing we do is we pursue God, but based on the lie of who we are. And so we have to earn our way to God. So we A, either live life as there is no God, or we B, we pursue life, God, as if based on these lies. And so you've got to earn whatever it is. So when you serve Him, or you do things, or you take step, or you implement principles to follow him, it's to earn his acceptance of us. 
And that might work out. You might have some really good weeks. You might do some great things. You might have some amazing attendance on church on Sunday if you think that's how that, you know, that's good. And, or you might, you know, serve him on a, a team or in the community. And you're like, look, God, I did this. Or you read scripture every single day this week. And you're like, God, look what I've done. I've earned your favor. Look what I've done for you. I should be good. I should be okay. But the problem is there's a lie about yourself and there's things that come out. And so those, those bad weeks turn into you beating yourself up. You weren't good enough, and now the anxiety of that pressure comes in. And when you blow it, because you do, <laughs> you're not okay with God, and you struggle. In both scenarios, we've forgotten like Moses here, right? That God's words, God's words to us. What did God say to Moses? He said, I am sending you, and I will be with you. He's like, I, there's purpose in this. The God of the universe, he's, I know who you are. I know everything about you. He knew all of Moses. He knew all those things about Moses. It's like, I know you stutter. I know you have these things. But that's not what your worth is upon. Your worth is upon who I've said you are and who I am. I am sending you and I will be with you. And what we really want to know is that. Is God real? Is he here with us? Is he sending me? Is he calling me to this? And I get the doubt. And if there's anybody that needs to hear this message, it's me. <laughs> when, you, when you're faced with things, we doubt, I doubt. And I can look at things that are in front of me that are so clear that I can see God is leading, He is providing. And all I want to do is look at all the things that are not happening and all the things that don't exist. And I take my eyes up off my Father. And deep down we know the things that make us unworthy. But the good news is God gives you his worth. And it's why we worship Christ. It's why we celebrate him. It's why we, we sing the things that we sing on, here on Sundays together. It's why we gather. It's why we sacrifice our lives for the mission to love others in this city. Because in Christ, he's already done it for us. And in Christ, when we give our lives to him, God sees you and I as he sees Christ. Christ came and took what we deserve, the death and punishment, so that we get what he deserves, the glory, the right standing with God. What the scriptures call we are righteous, as if we've never sinned. It's amazing. It's not about what you do. We stand up of what Christ has done. He's earned it. It's this free gift for us to accept. It's for ours to choose. It's amazing. This is the opposite. If you're someone here that 
doesn't believe in God or you're on that journey towards him and you're pursuing that, this is the opposite of what religion has told us. Religion comes forward and says, no, 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 that's just too easy. It can't be just someone doing it for you in a free gift, right? Like you've got to do something to earn it. And we like that, right? I want to have something to do and, and all these different things. But it's like, well, how good is good enough? Because that, that's actually the book we love to give out because it's like, well, where's the line? And what happens if you fail? That's why we need Christ. The late Billy Graham said this, and I love this quote. He says, God has never looked in your mirror or mine and wished he saw someone else. So when it comes to loving well, God using you, I want to walk you through a couple essential things here for us to just begin to know in our hearts. The first one is this, is, is the foundation for loving well is understanding your identity. That's everything we've been talking about. Our identity is in him. We pursue God. We need Him. He is the ultimate. Our worth is based on Him because He is the ultimate worth. We know that we are broken, and we can trust Him leading us, our identity. Here at DCC, we proclaim our identity is in Christ. We are Christ followers, and you are invited to pursue that journey because we believe it's the best thing that you could pursue in your life. He's given you passions, He's given you desires, and there's things in you that you long to see, and he is, He's the one who's gifted us with these things. He wants to use us in our lives, in this city, in the jobs that we have, the people that we know, the buildings that we live in. And we want to see Him do that work in you. He wants to invite you to be part of this story that's been going on for a long time. He wants you to know that you are beloved. You are beloved. Listen to 1 Peter 2.9. He says, in 1 Peter, it says, You are a chosen people, His very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. It's amazing. You are beloved. You are called. You are called. We see him call Moses out, right? He's like, I, this is what I'm sending you. God, God is, is, wants to use you in this city. We're like, well, I'm not called. What does that mean? Like, you know, he has a desire for you, a purpose for you to live out in your life, a story for you to pursue. So in first, going back to 1 Peter 2.9, it says, You are chosen people, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. And listen to this. It continues. It's for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. To trust Him with our lives, to trust Him with the things that we struggle with giving away, that we hoard, that we hold on to. We need to know that He's calling us out of darkness into His wonderful light. To admit the things. And, and Moses just came out, was like, this is who I am, right? I can't do this. But that's the very places where God wants to step in and exist. Who you are now as you are right now, is who God wants to use. It's where He wants to step in and begin. You don't have to earn anything. In Christ, you are free to love. Who you are right now, as you are right now, is who God wants to use. There is no way to get everything right to go to Him. It's impossible. 
why he came. So we begin made right with him. It's amazing. We're freed up to love. He begins to do a work in you. So we need to understand our identity. The second thing is this, is loving well, it starts with him. It's all about Christ. It's our pursuit of, of him. Listen to what Paul says, is writing to the church in Colossae. He says, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. In him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Oh, I missed the part. Rooted and built up in him. He says it twice, right? Continue to live your lives in him. And I love this imagery. You're rooted and you are built up in him. We come as we are. He uses us right now. Do you believe that in your story, that if you begin to pursue him, he wants to use your life? That's why we encourage you to take next steps. Because as you take your step towards that journey, God is with us. You can take a small step and he will begin to use you for something of significance. We live our lives in him. This is our goal is to begin to pursue Christ. That's why we pray. It's why we read scriptures, not out of duty, but out of him leading us out of darkness into light to be with him. And this thing about Moses, Moses had such a history and a past with Egypt. I'm sure he regretted leaving and I'm sure he had all this guilt and shame over everything that had happened. And just for the fact that he wanted to do something, but he couldn't, he was powerless without God. And God steps in and says, I will be with you. I am sending you. And those are the things that we need to hear. And what's amazing is Jesus said the exact same thing to us. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, after his resurrection, and people had were lit up to see him risen from the grave, and it began to change the world. But before he went out, he says, he, what did, you know what he said to us? He said, now go. I am sending you. He said, go and make disciples. And then he said, I will be with you always. Jesus said the same thing to you and I. So the question for you and I today is this. <clears throat> what in your life are you holding on to? What defines your worth? What defines your identity? What are you chasing? And what does it look like for you to trust God with this? Begin to give it to him. And if you're thinking of the right thing, you feel tension there. <laughs> How do I let go? How do I rest? How do I take time? How do I give whatever it may be? We need to learn to trust the Father. Remember, we doubt. That's a natural reaction. Moses did. Moses did all those things. And listen, he continued to protest. Like, God had to send somebody to do it with him. He had family come along. His brother Aaron came in. It was like, eventually, 
I'll just take those steps. I always, I always encourage people to look at three areas, your time, your talents, and your treasure. How do you trust God with your time? You need breathing room in your life. You can't pursue everything to the end of your calendar, no, what, no matter what people around you say or, or, or show us. We need to lead by example and rest to show the world that we need space. You need community. You need time to be with others. That's why we do dinner groups here next month. We're beginning our fall dinner groups. It's an incredible place for you to find community, but that takes you stopping and investing. We need time. Your talents. God has gifted you to engage others. We are blessed today because of an amazing group of people that got this space together. We don't walk in and it's like this. <laughs> you should look at the kids' space. It's incredible. You turn a bar into a kids' space. Did you know that? <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing team that has loved us today in incredible ways. God wants to use your life to engage other people. It's not just here, your neighbors, the people you live around, your talents and your treasures. For some of us, financially, we don't want to trust God. Okay, God, I'll give you time, and we give him our leftovers, but money is, a, is an issue for us. And it could just be learning to not consume at all. Don't take every job available. You need space there in your mind. You can't hoard your money. We also need to learn to give it away. You need to have a plan to support the church you love and to love others around you. We want to love well our time, our talents, and treasure. And each one can be a challenge depending on who you are. So the foundation of loving well is understanding your identity. And loving well starts with Him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your words to us. God, we thank you for just the, the life of Moses. We, we, we like to look at the end result in our culture and, and we look at the beginning of Moses, and he was scared to death. And God, we acknowledge today that we are too. We recognize that we don't have all the answers, that we are broken. But God, we declare today that we trust you, that you have the words of life. Give us the strength, the wisdom, and the faith to give the things that we hold on to, to you, knowing that you're the best thing that we could pursue and give them to. We thank you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.